0: Uh, that comes from Psalm 19, verses 1 through 6. And again, if you're new with us, Uh, Although we took a break last week due to uh, Pastor Evan covering for me, uh, we have been going through this series called Good Without God. And how we explain ourselves uh, is the understanding um, that common grace is still a grace in our lives. And so how do we understand good in this world, even if it doesn't come from a Christian? Uh, And so that's kind of been our series in this four or five weeks that we are going through it. And we're going to be going through Psalm 19, verses 1 through 6, just kind of as a precursor to what we're going to be talking about. And I've entitled this message, No Grace, No Pleasure. This is the reading of God's holy word. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork It is rising from the ends of the heaven, and it is its is, it circuit to the ends of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. That is the reading of God's word. Would you bow with me as we uh, ask the Spirit to illumine our heart as we get into the preaching of his word? Father in heaven, let us continue to uh, make sense of, uh, of what we understood to be common grace. Let us, uh, would you illumine our hearts to see the, the, the goodness that you provide to this world and how we then can use and understand that goodness uh, for um, the special grace that you have provided to this world as well. Uh, may we understand both of them, see them, uh, and, and to accept them and to love them and to appreciate them uh, like we appreciate Um, so many of the many blessings you've given us in our lives. Uh, Let us continue to be led to Christ, ultimately, uh, through this message. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 19, right? Uh, It it, it speaks of a a beautiful sense of of God's handiwork in this world. Uh, And we we, we see the creative uh, glory uh, that is all around us uh, as we understand that uh, the, the the creative world is beautiful, uh, but as we continue to look at what common grace is, we have to understand that second word, grace. Grace, uh, in, in my opinion, is the biggest word in the Bible, and not, it's not even my opinion. It is the biggest word in the Bible. The word spread its meaning and influence uh, over literally every page of our scriptures. It isn't enough to say that the Bible talks a lot about grace. It's not enough to say that the Bible carefully develops this theology of grace. It's not enough to say that the Bible promotes a lifestyle with grace at the center. No, I'm saying that the Bible is all about grace. All of Scripture is a grand story of it. Luke 24 44 to 45, 48 even, speaks of Jesus, saying that all of the scriptures point to me. It's not that every verse in scripture specifically speaks of Jesus Christ. It doesn't say Jesus Christ. But every verse in scripture is like a, a puzzle piece or a brick on the road that leads to Jesus. And Jesus is all about Grace. And Jesus' mission was to demonstrate special grace at its highest level. And because we know that grace is the container, if you will, everything that fits in it is associated with grace. Even the things that are common. And pleasure is one of them. Pleasure has everything to do with grace. But pleasure to the Christian, especially let's say from a traditional point of view, a conservative point of view, is a dirty word to us sometimes, right? It's associated, this word pleasure is associated with sinful desires. It's associated uh, with, with overindulging desires, with, uh, with luxurious desires, with greedy desires, with sexual desires. And so the world of religion has really tried to quell the usage of pleasure or put it in a box in which we consider it sinful. An example Is Roman Catholic's view of sexual pleasure as sinful? And therefore, if it's not procreation, well, then you're sinning. But is that the case? Is pleasure sin? And if, if it is, then should we not do it? Should we not participate in it? Or is pleasure a part of common grace? Is common grace sinful? No. And we're going to do a scope into enjoying God's common grace and specifically this idea of pleasure. How should we understand it? How should we look at it? Okay? I have my three points behind me, but let's go to that first point. Can we really enjoy it? Let me describe to you some aspects of pleasure. A beautiful piece of music. Can we really enjoy it? The melting fat of... A5 Wagyu that hits our tongue, right? Or the olive Wagyu, A5 Wagyu that hits our tongue. We, we kind of did that as a church, right? The ever-changing clouds on a, on a sunny day as we're just gazing uh, into the sky, drinking Coke after a hot summer day of volleyball, right? The endless variety of, uh, uh, of fashion out there. Uh, the vast ocean and all the undiscovered creatures that are in it except for killer whales, because I don't like them, right? The gripping drama. of a a good novel or a movie the the, the quick wit of a a skillful comedian right? Even that sense although I make it my kingdom right? Even the sense that your team makes that game winning shot or pass in the biggest game of the year those are all things that we can deem pleasure there are a few of the daily pleasures that are not only part of our lives but but, but part of our lives because God is so good and grand and, and wise and faithful and loving and, and giving in His grace. And if this world was devoid of God's grace, none of these things would exist. And that's what I find I'm trying to kind of been trying to get at as we've been going through this Common Grace series. Without God's grace, even in the common ways, life would be bleak and dark and boring. Our lives would be a sad, lonely walk through an unending, and unfulfilling void. No grace, no pleasure. If you know and love God, if you get who He is. And if you want to live as He intended, you should not be ashamed that you like pleasure. Pleasure came from God. Pleasure belongs to God. Pleasure is one of the gifts of grace to you. Pleasure exists for your good and for God's glory. And if you're God's child... No one should enjoy pleasure as it was meant to be enjoyed more than you. We really shouldn't be ashamed of the vast amounts of pleasure that are all around us. You should enjoy them and not feel guilty that you do. Now, you can see where I'm going. Now, I'm sure... I'm going to get judged for saying something like that. But let me piece together why I say this. Okay. And hopefully I'll walk you through the conclusion of this message. First, God created pleasure. Okay. And we can enjoy God through his gifts. Now let's think about where it began in the beginning. Eden was a garden of pleasure, was it not? It was a beautiful place, so much so that the Creator could say that it was tov, good, perfect in every way. It contained an endless variety of plants, and we talked about what kind of plants before, right? And animals with all all the sights and sounds and the smells, Pleasures were everywhere. More beauty than your eyes could take in. And this is exactly how God wanted it to be. If you don't start there, then you'll never understand and enjoy God's common grace. It's not a bad thing. It's not an evil thing. It's not an, a dark thing, a shameful thing, or a thing to be avoided. Pleasure is the gift of a loving, wise, and gracious God. And because it is, you don't have to feel ashamed that you like it. Now, we look at creation and say, of course, we can desire pleasurable things as we look at the sky. Of course, but there are some taboo things, Pastor David. Well, we'll get there. But understand, God likes it too. And hardwired you to like it as well. Second, God designed you for pleasure. Both the heart and the body were designed in a way to receive and to enjoy pleasure. You're drawn to pleasure as the result of God's good, gracious, and wise design. Every human being is motivated to find and experience pleasure. You love to taste things, hear things, smell things. You love being entertained to have a a good laugh. You love to be blown away when you see these amazing uh, architectural things. You don't need to be ashamed. You hope for it every day. This is the orientation that your God placed in your heart. But not only in your heart, but also in your senses as well. The feeling of, of a warm cup of hot chocolate when you build that you know, snowman, right, uh, in the cold, wintry day. Maybe you've been impatient with your spouse, but the, the blades of grass when hitting a golf ball, that's euphoric, right? You enjoy it. You, maybe you lash out at your coworker and carry with you bitterness in your life, but then when that bite of pizza hits your mouth, And you realize how good and amazing all pizza is. There's no such thing as bad pizza. Okay? We've been designed with these receptors to enjoy it. And we have to admit that. God gives us the ability to take in the pleasures of the physical world around us. Not because of who we are, but because of who God is. He graces us with everything from friendship to flowers from music to mountains from the pleasures of love to the delights of food and he gives us the capacity to enjoy them all God's grace is good and we ought to enjoy them well then there's the second point the boundaries of God's common grace well since God knows how pleasure can be how how it can be so pleasing because he created it. Well, God also knows that pleasure carries with it certain dangers. When something pleases you, it's natural that you want more. There is a danger of pleasure. There's that Lays uh, chip Company motto. I don't know if you know it. Maybe it's just way too old. Past your time, you know. Uh, But it used to, you know, uh, it used to always be on the commercials when you're eating a a bag of chips from Lay's. It says, Bet you can't eat just one, right? And I would, I, I love a good challenge, but I always lost, okay? Your brain just tells you, One more can't hurt. Did God really say that another chip? It's going to hurt you. <laughs> it usually turns to bags for me, right? Or the Costco-sized bags. Um, you, you simply can't allow yourself to follow pleasure's draw. Although it's good, you, you, we naturally and sinfully want to do more of it. And this is why Scripture warns us from 1 John chapter 2.15 to, to not to love the world or the things in the world. Philippians chapter 3, 19 says, it warns us not to uh, make God out of our stomachs. And you see, I have myself, right? Pleasure without borders becomes dark. It becomes dangerous. We have to understand there are boundaries to pleasure. Isn't that what happened? The Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve could enjoy all of the created world. But there were certain boundaries that God set. Food is beautiful to see. It's beautiful to smell. It's it's beautiful to taste. But you cannot eat whatever you want, whenever you want. So God warns us against gluttony. Okay? Sex is a wonderful God-given pleasure, but only when exercised inside the clear boundaries that God has set within marriage. Money, you know, that equation, money is the root of all evil. Well, it can be a doorway to wonderful pleasures. But the Bible warns us not to give the love of our hearts to money because there are some dangers to it. Relationships are a beautiful thing, but Scripture warns against putting people in God's place. So God not only graces us with pleasure and hardwires it in each and every one of you to enjoy that pleasure, he also sets boundaries for us so we will not be harmed by what he means for us to enjoy. If you let your heart and your hands go wherever pleasure leads you, you will end up overweight, maybe even obese. I'm considered that and I try to use that as one of my reasons for vaccination status uh, a couple years ago. Um, you'll end up addicted or you might end up in debt, whatever it is. right? If you let your heart and your hands go, wherever pleasure leads you, it may be disastrous. Because you pursued pleasure without borders, what was once pleasing will have you have morphed into misery. God's restriction on our pleasure are themselves a grace. And not only are those restrictions found in the Bible, they're wired into, uh, into creation. Think about it. Okay, None of us are like Joey Chestnut or Matt Stoney. You eat too much, what happens? You go to that buffet, afterwards... You feel sick, okay? You eat that one-chip challenge, okay, and eat too much hot sauce, as some of our brothers make us do, right? You get sick, and you're on the toilet, and you feel miserable. You eat too much repeatedly, you get obese, and yet I still do it, okay? You drink too much, you get drunk, you spend too much, you end up in debt. In grace, God has even embedded warnings into the way creation operates to remind us that pleasures require boundaries. Now, God did not create pleasure so that the end is pleasure. In grace, God infused pleasure with a purpose. And all the pleasures of the created world are a means to an end. And the end is that awe-inspiring, mind-bending, heart-stopping grandeur and glory of God. And it would be seen and heard by creatures created for the sole purpose of a relationship with him. If you don't understand that the end of pleasure is not pleasure, you'll look to pleasure to get the one thing that pleasure can never give you life. Pleasure is wonderful, but it's not ultimate. The God who created it is ultimate. And pleasure is a wonderful part of life, but it's never life-giving. Pleasure offers you momentary joy, but it has no capacity whatsoever to bring about satisfaction and peace within your heart in your soul and in your mind. And so why did God create pleasure and common grace? Yes, it's because he's good and he's, and he's it's wonderful and he wants to make life more enjoyable for you. Praise God for that. But he did it to be, he created it for it to be this one big arrow road that points to him. So in grace, he created pleasures that would point to him and reveal his character so that we could, would acknowledge him and our need of him. All of this is so that we would run to him in submission, thanks, and worship. You see, the pleasure of the world and our ability to take them, take them in are all a part of God's grand mission of rescuing and, and forgiving and transforming and of the delivering grace that comes to us. You see, religion and tradition tells you otherwise, doesn't it? Your enjoyment of pleasure is not necessarily worldly. It's not something that should make you feel guilty. Pleasure is God's idea. It actually gives God pleasure when you experience pleasure in the right context. In fact, it can actually glorify your God. It's something that I think even the Reformed community has lost in many ways. We're so overbearing in our theology. And again, I'm not knocking our theology. I love our theology. But we actually teach that we can't have enjoyment and pleasure in some ways. Yes, we can abuse it, sure. And there is the thought that hey, you overuse uh, use pleasure, and, and you're going to get into you know it's a it's a slippery slope. We can use it to be our God, but we don't. Uh, but we do that with theology itself, do we not? Isn't that what we do with conservative religion and tradition itself? Now listen to this carefully. The greatest dangers in the world of pleasure are to be found inside of you, not outside of you. Sex is not dangerous, but your lust is. Food is not dangerous, but your gluttonous eyes that go to a buffet, they are. Money is not dangerous, it's the greed that's in you that's dangerous. Enjoyment is not dangerous, it's your addiction that is. The sin that you bring to pleasure poisons pleasure and makes it a deadly thing. Sin does evil with what God intended to be good. Sin pollutes God's good gifts of grace. Sin alters and and distorts our relationship with the world of pleasure because sin changes us. Sin captures the thoughts and the desires of our hearts and in doing so it fundamentally changes the way we deal with the pleasures God created for our good and for his glory. See, pleasure is not the problem. Sin is. Sin causes me to replace the love that I should have for God with the love of personal pleasure. Sin causes me to resist any boundaries or restraints placed on me. Sin causes me to want to use what I want to use in the way that I want to use it. Sin makes me a danger to myself and causes me to poison God's world of pleasure with wrong motives and selfish desires. Sin causes me to ignore the one who's the author and the giver of pleasure. I need to be rescued from me so that I'm able to enjoy the pleasures that I've been given in a way that pleases the giver. Third point. See, in grace, God uses the pleasures of the world he created to expose the deepest struggle of the human heart. The deepest struggle of the human heart is not about how much you've suffered or how much pleasure you have been allowed to enjoy. You no, know, the deepest, most important, long-term struggle of every human heart is the struggle of worship. Worship. It's the struggle of worship. Will our lives be shaped by the worship of the creator? Or will we exchange worship of him for worship for what he's created? Will you worship the gift of the giver? Whether you realize it or not. Your life is always shaped by the worship of something for something. You are always attaching your identity, your definition of meaning and purpose, and your inner sense of well-being to something. And this means that you are always looking for life horizontally or vertically. You're asking for created things, and most of it is horizontal, okay? Okay but you're asking for created things to satisfy this searching and longing and empty heart of yours. This is what common grace does for us. It has us recognize that there are, they are still gifts of grace, but it ultimately points us to something more. We're not going to see God in His fullness in just common grace. You see, unbelievers. Can enjoy God in His common grace. In fact, you'll see many in the world see the majesty in creation. They've created beautiful writings and poems and music. They've captured God's beauty the best as they possibly can with a lens. And they've done such great and beautiful work by it. They've enjoyed love to a great and mighty extent. But they will always realize that it is not enough. And they will find out, sooner or later, that they've replaced the truth with the lie. And the ultimate pleasure can only happen when sin was dealt with. And this is where we herald the beauty within the cross. See, our Lord sent his only begotten son to die a sinner's death. And our sin was dealt with that day and our victory was dealt with three days later and everything you find in this common grace world, all of this pleasure really points to the euphoria that we will have in heaven. It's about the Father who gave up his son so that you could have, that everything that it points, uh, everything in this world that it points to, you could have it, which is Jesus Christ in heaven. I want to end this message with a quote. It's one of my favorite John Piper quotes. And he says this as I end. If you can have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you ever had on earth, if you could have heaven with all the food you ever liked and all the leisure activists you've ever enjoyed, you could have heaven with all the natural beauties you ever saw, all the physical pleasures you ever tasted, uh, no human conflict or any natural disasters. Would you be satisfied with heaven if Christ were not there? Sometimes we misunderstand God's common grace. Whether you, it's you know, this religious tendency within you to say, well, I can't do that as a Christian, and I shouldn't accept that, and I shouldn't like that as a Christian, because that's what our religious mode has taught us. Or it's the other way, well, hey, we need to live it up and have the great love of the world and all that stuff. No, 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 no. All of this is meant to point to the one who died for us on the cross, to solve our, who solved our sin issue. In this, what it points to here, the body and the blood of Christ. It's a beautiful thing that we enjoy this pleasure where we are risen and our souls are risen to heaven above as we partake in grace. Bow your heads with me as we get to the element elements <clears throat>